0: The stories side by side. But years ago, Dr. Seuss wrote a book called How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And the story is taking place in Whoville and it's talking about a character named the Grinch who literally hates Christmas, hates the people who celebrate Christmas and has isolated himself because of the hatred in his heart. Then he comes up with an idea that he can actually steal Christmas if he were to go and to sneak into Whoville and to take all of the Christmas food, all of the Christmas gifts, all of the Christmas decorations. Then in his mind, he is sure that Christmas won't happen. And if you know the story, that's not the outcome that actually happens. So as we're looking this, we're taking a look at the scriptures and also we're looking at the Grinch and how the Grinch literally hated Christmas. You know, it seems to me that even today there are people that hate Christmas. Today, today people still hate the Christmas spirit. The ACLU is still out there having legal protests for wherever we use the word Christmas or Merry Christmas. In fact, just yesterday I googled this, ban on Christmas, and multiple stories popped up. Southern Illinois University just last week had to stop playing the Christmas music in the bell tower that's been going on for many, many, many years because one of the bell songs was a Christmas carol and one person complained, so Southern Illinois pulled the entire bell. So the bell's quiet now. There's multiple school districts that have pulled all types of holiday or Christmas reference and now everything's a holiday tree or a winter fest. Um, Multiple things, and as you see this, what's happening is the people that truly hate Christmas are trying to remove any semblance of Christ in Christmas. In fact, it was interesting, there was a Calvary Chapel down in Florida, and Broward County, in which it's located in, had them remove the sign, Jesus is the reason for the season. It was on church property and they had to remove it. So they protested, went and filed a a court action. And finally the court came back and said, we'll allow you to have that Jesus is the reason for the season if you will put these words in front of it. So they settled on this and now it says, Calvary Chapel says Jesus is the reason for the season. Now isn't it amazing that they had to say, now that's your opinion. Because what they're truly fighting is the reason for the season. And I'm going to go into that in a few minutes of why they they protest this. Research is showing that 90% of Americans celebrate this holiday. 90%. Now, if you'd read these articles, you'd think that it was probably a 50-50 match, or or maybe 60-40, and man, it's going to be a struggle. 90% of Americans actually celebrate this. And yet, Jesus is being forced into the closet during this holiday time. So much that the word Christmas is being removed now, and we're getting actually kind of used to Happy Holidays, and that's being said a lot, Happy Holidays. In fact, if you want to check out, there's a really great website, I've been telling Kristen about it, because it's called The Grinch List, and it's actually made by First Baptist Dallas, and it was on Fox News earlier uh, a couple days ago, and if you go into a business and they wish you a Merry Christmas, you can put them on the nice list. And if they're in there telling you happy holidays or have no reference, you can put them on the naughty list. Now, they're not telling you to boycott them or throw eggs at them. It's just to promote those businesses that are actually taking the time to wish you a Merry Christmas, that are taking the time to actually celebrate the real season. And it's interesting to read the businesses that are being listed in there and why. So if you get a chance, check out that website. But it's really a great opportunity to see how we're changing I have three little points in today's message. And my first point in today's message is, number one, some people are disturbed about the story of the birth of Christ. Some people are disturbed about the birth of Christ. And if you have your Bibles with you, please open up to Matthew, second chapter. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 3 right now. And that's Matthew 2, verses 1 through 3. And this is what the Word of God says. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea when Herod was king. And after Jesus' birth, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem. In verse 2, they asked, Where is the one who was born to be king of the Jews? We saw the star rising and have come to worship him. Now this is real interesting, verse 3. When Herod and all Jerusalem heard about this, they became disturbed. They became disturbed. Now, let me give you a little history on Herod. First off, Herod wasn't really a king. Herod was assigned the position because of the Roman rule over the area. Okay, So by bloodline, he was not of royal. He was not an Israelite. He was an Edomite. And if you know, the title that he pretty much self-proclaimed was Herod the Great. And Herod the Great did do some great expansion for the Roman Empire, but also was very cruel, was also very jealous. In fact, Herod killed his mother-in-law, his wife, his brother-in-law, his son-in-law. He killed multiple people. Anyone who threatened his throne was actually killed. So Herod was a very self-centered ruler in the land at this time. So it makes you wonder this... Why would a wealthy king be so upset with a baby being born in Bethlehem? Have you ever thought about this? Okay, sometimes you, you, you have to read a passage and then you have to figure this out. First off, Herod had already been in rule over the land for 30-something plus years. So if you do some math, he's probably in his 50s or 60s. Okay, everybody just kind of assume that with me. If the baby is going to be born and become the next ruler, then there's another 20 years right there, right? So why would he be so concerned that he is about to take some actions and and massacre all the babies for somebody that's going to be a threat to him when he's 80? Have you thought about that? I mean, honestly, sometimes I have to look in the characters and what their motivation is and why they're doing this. And the only thing that I really came, and I guess the Holy Spirit showed me, is that Herod's heart was evil and that Satan was being able to be used through him to try to stop the life of Christ, even at the very beginning. And it meant multiple innocent lives in that village were being killed because of the time that they were uh, being raised up. So he became so upset that he decided that he was going to kill every child that was in that age. All the male child that were under the age of two were going to be killed. So his reputation of reacting and as being a murderous person, leads us to understand why in Matthew 2.16 we read this scripture. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance to the time that he had learned from the Magi. So what we're seeing here is that Herod was so full of jealousy and fear and envy due to the birth of Christ that he began to burn with anger. Now, I've got to just take you on a a little trail here and say, let me tell you that any time a life is inwardly focused, it's all about you. You are going to be filled with anger, jealousy, bitterness, okay? Because everything is, how does this affect me? Anything that's going on in your workplace, you're constantly seeing the politics and how is this going to affect my position? How is this person going to be promoted over me? What, what, what are the, what, what's going to be used? Even in your family relationships, you'll start thinking they're only doing this so that I'll do this. And they're seeing everything as the manipulation. And then that fear becomes part more of anger and they start becoming angry at the world. They start becoming more negative at, at situations. They don't see the glass ever being half Uh, full they're they're seeing it half empty at all times because when you live a life that's outwardly focused and jesus christ is your lord and savior you're more focused about your influence on others than what they're doing to you you see because god is your source god is your strength jesus is my peace jesus is my hope he is my provider man is not my provider god is my provider So when I'm doing and obedient to what God is saying, sometimes what God is asking me to do isn't always the best financial decision. You know, when God is standing and telling you in line to give somebody some money, and it's a good size of money, and you're thinking, I could do so many other things with that. That's God moving in your heart to be generous. And you know why it has to be God? Because those thoughts don't originally generate in me. You know what I mean? And my natural part, it's bring in. We are not blessed to have, we are blessed to give. Do you understand that? That is a principle that the more God gives you, the more He wants you to give it away. But sometimes we like to hoard it, and you can tell if your focus is outward or inward by what you're hoarding. I've told you before, you show me your checkbook, I'll show you your priorities. You see, because if everything is about you, your checkbook will reflect that. But man, if you're giving to great organizations and you're helping and feeding the poor and clothing, especially at this time of the year when it's cold and you're getting involved and you're volunteering at different outreach ministries, I can tell you that your focus is going to be outward. But we're getting back here to the story of Herod and living his life. You know, there's a scripture in Proverbs 29.11 that says, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Amen. And that might not be the best scripture to put on your cubicle at work when your boss is walking by, but you know, there is so much truth in that, because in today's society, we are so quick to fully vent our anger. You know what? Go to the Parks Mall this afternoon and just try to find a parking lot, okay? A parking space within that mall. It is a zoo there right now. You know, and see how much grace and mercy is going and floating around that parking lot, regardless of what bumper sticker you have on your car. You know, there is competition for those spaces. Have you ever been in a parking space and it's so close you think, I should be able to sell this? You know what I mean? Have you ever thought, there's value in this. I am only 10 feet from the door. I should start an online auction, you know? And even I think Austin said, man, this would be a great website. Auction off your great space, you know? It's just live, you know? You want to be parked this close to the mall? Starting bid, $5, $6, $7, $8, $9, you know? Because we we become so self-centered, especially at this time of the year when it's all about giving, You know, we learned last week when we were talking about Scrooge, it wasn't about what we get, it's about what we're able to give. And that's this time of the year. There are people today that are in full vent of their anger. And when you look at what Herod's motivation was in life was, was to stay in control. That was his whole reaction to hearing about the Messiah that was being born. Not in my kingdom, not under my watch, this isn't going to happen. What is that about, staying in control of your life? Have you ever met anybody today that is all about staying in control of their life? They don't want anyone to have any influence. They definitely don't want to hear about God. They don't want to hear about needing a Savior and Redeemer. They're a self-made person. Look at the success that I have. And yet it's emptiness. It's emptiness. In fact, one of the great quotes I always remember is, Many people spend their whole life climbing the company ladder and then at the very end find out it was leaning on the wrong wall. You know, there's times where people don't care that you're vice president of ABC Company. Oh, but you do, man. You can tell everything about that widget and that gadget and what quarter sales are and how Kansas and Iowa are the biggest areas now of your widget. Nobody cares. Okay? I mean, I don't mean to be cruel, but what are you doing to affect the people around you? Your neighbors, do they know that you're a born-again Christian? Do your co-workers know that that Christ is the reason for the season? You see, it's important that even though this world is under pressure, we should be walking with the knowledge of who Christ is in our lives. My second point today in this message is that some people today have Herod's motivation. Now, what's interesting is that I noticed yesterday there was a Kwanzaa celebration at Fair Park. And Kwanzaa is a, a, uh, a celebration that has been generated by the African-American Society for African-Americans. And there's no protest over that. There's also um, Hanukkah, which is for our Jewish friends. And there's never any protest about this. But I'll tell you what, stand up and just talk about Christ and Christmas in a, in a room or a restaurant and see what kind of response you're going to get just because you're mentioning Christ in Christmas. Or that Jesus is the reason for the season. All of a sudden now, and and you know, even if we just all went out to a restaurant and we started singing one of the Christmas carols, there might be somebody who might protest because they don't want to hear about Christ. They don't want to hear about that Jesus is King. Isn't it amazing how Christianity, when we mention that in rooms now, even here in America, where we have freedom of speech, freedom of religion... That all of a sudden, there are protests and complaints that come because of the hardness of hearts. It's amazing because what's really happening in today is that people have a heart problem. If you remember how the Grinch stole Christmas, there's a line in that that says, the Grinch had a heart that was two sizes too small. Do you remember that? And it was talking about because his heart was too small, that's why he was so full of hatred. Herod's heart was also too small. And he only had room for himself in that. He wanted to rule his life in his way. And that's why many people today reject the message of Christ. Many people today reject the the message of Christ because, I hope you're listening to this, to acknowledge him to what the Christmas story says. All right. To acknowledge Christ as what the Christmas story says would be to acknowledge that Jesus had a right to their heart. And because they don't want to acknowledge that Christ has a, a, the the room to come into their life as Savior, they don't want to hear about Him that He was born in a manger, that the Bethlehem story, that angels bow down, and that shepherds were nearby. They don't want to hear this. Their hearts have become hardened. In fact, a great scripture, and I, I always think of Mark Galinsky, because we talked about this a couple years ago. Ezekiel 36:26 <laughs> says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Yeah. Man, the heart of stone. Have you ever met anybody who is hard-hearted? I mean, truly hard-hearted. I mean, they'd step on a puppy just as much as walk over anything else. I've met a few people like that. Generally, people aren't that. But you can tell even when you start to mention Christ. Or even if I'm purchasing gas and I'll say, hey, have a blessed day. And you know when I say have a blessed day, they'll look at me. They'll look at you. Okay? It's a word that has a connotation. Do you know that? You're starting a situation when you say, hey, have a blessed day. Now you can go into any gas station, any restaurant and say, have a happy holiday. And man, you're not going to get any response. You say, you know, I hope that you have a blessed Christmas. All of a sudden now they know that you have a relationship with something that's bigger than they are. And it may have been something that they heard as a child. It may have been a song that they sang. It may have been tradition at their home, but now they have no longer ties with their family. And they're remembering that Christ really is the reason for the season. But they've tried to drown it out with holiday trees. They've tried to drown it out with happy holidays. They've tried to remove Christ from it as much as possible. And when you come into their lives and you say something like, have a blessed day or have a Merry Christmas, all of a sudden you're striking a chord even in their past, because the Holy Spirit is in them, stirring them, drawing them to a point of salvation. It says that every man and woman has been given a measure of faith. That's, right. That's what the Word of God says. Do you know that? That every person has been given a measure of faith, no matter how much they proclaim that they're an atheist, no matter how much they believe in this or that, every person has been given. And sometimes the Holy Spirit's had to remind me, Said, Mark, I've given them a measure of faith. Because on the outward, I'm like, I'm getting nowhere with this person. But on the inward, the Holy Spirit can move in their hearts in ways that I never could. And the Holy Spirit will also give you words to speak that are much wiser than what you have. If you'll truly say, God, would you give me the ability to be a witness and a light to somebody today? But we have to make ourselves that vessel. See, we get so caught up. You know, Kristen said, we've been cleaning house. We have been cleaning house. There are bathrooms we haven't been able to use in two days, okay? Nobody goes in there. You know, if there's a towel has been moved, she's like, did anybody use this bathroom? And all of a sudden, it's like, not me, not me. Man, I'll tell you, you know the wrath of God is coming if you admitted that. So I hope you all appreciate the clean bathrooms tonight, okay? Because those kids have been running upstairs, you know. I have no idea how I got on that tangent. Please. I'm still off on a highway. Here, let's, let's. It talks about our hearts. And Herod's heart being hardened. And if there's no room in their hearts for that message that Christ was born, then there's no room in their hearts for God to reign. You have to understand that. That's why they do not want to hear about Christ in Christmas. Because if they start thinking about the message, they have to start accepting that there is a Savior and they need a Savior. Eternity has been set in all of our hearts. And we understand that we have been born with a life of eternity. Where we're going to spend it is our choice. Because God gave us free will. I cannot force my children to love me. But I can love them with an unconditional love as much as this human body can give. And be wisdom and counsel to them. And receive love from them. But any time you manipulate people to a point that you can get them to respond, that is not love. Do you understand that? Some of people are in relationships of manipulation, and that is not love. Love does not manipulate. Love gives. Love receives. But it doesn't control to the point. So it's important that we understand the real message. Many of the Christmas carols that we as born-again believers sing so frequently, even like today when Noel led us, are offensive to people who have tried to shut out God, who have tried to shut out the real message of Christ at this time. They don't want to hear about this. In fact, I've got three courses that I'm going to lead you guys in a cappella. No criticism from you at all, okay? (laughs) Sherry, I expect you to carry that end over there. (laughs) Stephen, you got that section over there. Bill, Fran... Joe, don't look down at the ground, man. Uh, you all uh, yeah, you haven't been praying that long, okay? Just, hey, join with it. It's just the first chorus I've got. I'll put them up on the word, all right? Y'all ready? What child is this who lay to rest
1: on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch our keeping? This, this is Christ, the King, who shepherds, guard, and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring Him, Lord, the Babe, the Son of Mary. Now, not to compete with Noel on this one, but O oh, come. All ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, oh come ye, oh come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him. Born the King of Angels, oh come let us adore Him. Oh come let us adore Him. Oh come let us adore Him him. Christ, the Lord. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled Joyful all ye nations rise Join the triumph of the skies with angelic hosts proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing glory to
0: new Born King. You guys give yourself a hand. That was beautiful. I'll tell you. I wish you could have been here hearing you all. But did you catch the phrases in those songs? Christ the King. King of angels. God and sinners reconciled. Did you hear that? These are songs that they're even playing in some of the stores. And that's why I'll walk around in a worshipful state. Because even the, the, the songs are giving praise. The Christmas carols declare the glory of Christ. They shout out that Jesus Christ is God and that even the angels worship Him. Wow! And yet we've condensed this into a commercialized holiday. So my third point to this message on how the Grinch couldn't steal Christmas is this, how do we change the hearts of those who don't want Jesus as King in their lives? How do we do that? The climax of the story in the, how the Grinch stole Christmas was that as the sun was coming up on Christmas morning, the Grinch looks down in Whoville. Do you all remember this? He's looking down in Whoville, hoping to see their Christmas Day sorrow when they realized that their things had been gone. Yeah. But the Who's down in Whoville start singing a Christmas song, and they start singing it together. And if you remember, it's fa-hoo-fa-re, and then it said, Christmas Day is in our grasp as long as we have hands to clasp. Come on. Right? And the Grinch is not able to believe what he's hearing, and he begins to get furious, and then something happens he suddenly realizes that Christmas came. Now, at this point in the movie, you have to understand that this is a theological statement that's happening. When you watch the Grinch the next time, you're going to have to realize that no matter what's going on in this world, nothing can steal the real message of Christ, and that Christmas is going to come. So it's amazing of what we're seeing, and what truly changed the heart of the Grinch. It was the reaction of the people down in Whoville. It was their reaction to the situation that changed the heart of the Grinch. As Christians, we're to live that lifestyle. In fact, the Word of God tells us in 1 Peter 3.9, it says, don't pay people back with evil for evil that they do to you. Let's just stop right there. When you become a born-again Christian, you gave up the right of revenge. Okay, If you're still carrying around revenge, then you have not surrendered everything to Christ. And Christ is not going to be able to do through you until you give that up. And in fact, the Word of God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Let God take care of that situation. It's not up to you and your manipulation. So this is what First Peter is telling us. Don't pay people back with evil for evil they do to you. Or ridicule those who ridicule you. Okay, now all of a sudden, people who ridicule you, we're supposed to speak blessings back to them. Have we done that lately in our lives? You know, we read a comment about ourselves, or hear that somebody said something about it, and what's our first reaction? Wow, they said that about me? No, 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 no. It's more, they said that about me? You see, it's all in the tense that we say that sentence. Shows our heart. It also says, instead, bless them because you were called to inherit a blessing. Bless them. Have you been lately blessing anybody who is criticizing you and and trying to do evil against you? Huh? You know, if your neighbor's throwing eggs at you, are you saying, man, I hope you, you get a lot of money so you can buy more eggs. No, that's not our reaction. Man, we want to call the police on them. We want vengeance. We're going to take care of it ourselves. You know? Okay? That's what we want to do here in Texas. But God's saying, you know what? Bless them. Let them see that you are not of this world. Because in this world, the natural reaction is, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, I'm going to get revenge. And what God's telling us is to live a lifestyle that no matter what comes our way, we have peace, we have joy, because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. And that's an important message that we have to understand. It was the who's singing in their joy that changed the Grinch. The storyline it says said, it came without ribbons, it came without tags, it came without packages, boxes, or bags. And see, suddenly the Grinch realized that Christmas was more, was more than presents, decorations, or the feast. And he's had a thought that he's never had before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. Now, although the Grinch story does not have Christ, the baby Christ, or wise men, or the manger, I truly believe that Dr. Seuss understood that there was more to Christmas than the gifts, and the feasting, and the songs, and the celebration. Amen. But man, we love that part. Man, we love the gifts. We love the decorations. We love the food. You guys are in, tr- in for a great treat tonight. Man, man. The food that we haven't been able to touch for the last day or so that's been in the refrigerator. If you are not there at 5.01, too bad, okay? Because, I mean, it's go time. She said at 5 o'clock. I'm telling you, we have great food. And it is a great part of the celebration. But we always must remember that Jesus is the reason that we're celebrating this time at all. So it's important that we understand that Christmas is not about lights or trees or the presents you get or the presents you don't get. The meaning of Christmas is the message of the birth of Christ and how God entered our world. Jesus' birth is the reason why we have a reason to celebrate, and no Grinch will ever be able to take that away. No Grinch, no power of evil will be able to ever take that message away. We saw that Herod tried to kill all the two-year-old boys in the city and the area trying to stop that from coming, and it won't happen. That night, good news came to us, even in today's generation. And I'd like to read, as I'm closing to you, the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14, and then I'll close. And this is what Luke 2, verse 1 said. And at that time, the Emperor Augustus ordered a census of the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all the people went to register in the cities where their ancestors had lived. So Joseph went from Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a Judean city called Bethlehem. Joseph, a descendant of King David, went to Bethlehem because David had been born there. Joseph went there to register with Mary, and she had been promised to him in marriage and was pregnant. And while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to have her child. She gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there wasn't any room for them in the end. Shepherds were in the fields near Bethlehem, and they were taking turns watching their flock during the night. An angel from the Lord suddenly appeared to them and said, The glory of the Lord filled the area with light, and and they were terrified. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I have good news for you, a message that will fill everyone with joy. Today your Savior, Christ the Lord, was born in David's city. And this is how you will recognize him. You will find an infant wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly a large army of angels appeared with the angel, and they were praising God by saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those who have his good will. The message of Christmas is that we have already received the most important present that you will ever be able to receive. The most important thing you get is not going to come from Best Buy or the Apple Store or from some jewelry store. It was already given to you. And it's a free gift. And it's an eternal gift. You see, if your whole focus is on December 25th, And everything is about that day. Everything's about the decorations and the presents and the gifts and the family. Then on December 26th, the season will be over. But as born-again Christians, if we truly understand that Jesus is the reason for the season, this season lives on all year round. Every day is a celebration of what Christ did when he came in the form of a baby. When he left the splendor of heaven and came to the filth of this world for you and for me. That is the best Christmas present you would ever be able to receive. God wrapped himself in flesh for us and dwelt with us. So this Christmas, let us not lose sight of the real meaning of Christmas. And I want you to know that no evil will ever be able to take the true meaning of Christmas as long as Christ is in our heart. I'd like to give you an opportunity to make that decision today to turn your life over to Christ. You may have said, Pastor Mark, I gave my life over to Christ Jesus a Savior many, many years ago. But maybe this is a time where you just need a, a new beginning with Him. Maybe this prayer will be a time saying, you know, God, would you just forgive me of all of the past, all the mistakes, of all the thoughts that I've fed, said that have been in denial of you. And may I truly receive the gift of Christmas this year, that you sent your Son into this world to be born, not in a palace, but to be born in a lowly manger. And that, that man would grow and live a sinless life and die on a cross and shed his blood for my sins. Because according to the law and the word, without the shedding of blood, there is no atoning for sin. That's why in the past they used to go and kill a lamb and That was the sacrifice for their sins. Have you ever heard of the term a scapegoat? That was a part of that, that they would put all the sins on on this and, and let it go. You see, but Christ came to be the ultimate sacrifice for us. Christ died for you and Christ died for me. But not only on that cross did he take my sins, but he took any sickness, disease, any pain and anguish, and he nailed it to a cross. And three days later, he rose from the grave with the keys of death in his hand. You see, Satan thought that he was victorious when he nailed him to a cross. Because at that time, Satan held the keys to death. But Christ was greater. When I tell you that God is greater than any situation, God is greater than any situation in your workplace, God is greater than any situation in your family, God is greater than your financial problems, God is greater than any of those tormenting thoughts you have to understand God is greater. And all we have to do is receive that free gift and ask Christ not only in our heart as our Savior, but as our Lord. You see, a lot of people will accept Him as Savior because they don't want to go to hell. But making Him Lord means you are now in control of my life. And I'm going to pray about decisions. I'm going to seek your direction, God. And it may not be the easiest route to go. It may not be the self-flesh-pleasing way to go. But I will be obedient to you, God. I'll go and I'll talk to the poor. And I'll go and feed them. And I'll clothe them. And I'll love the unlovely. And I'll hug those people that even though they need a shower, I will be your arms around them at that time, God. That's living a life that's outward-focused and not necessarily inward-focused. If you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'd like to lead you in a very simple prayer. And if you'll say this prayer, I'm going to have everyone say it out loud, but if you'll mean it, it'll radically change your heart. And it's going to ruin you for sin. Because when I said that prayer for the very first time, the things that I thought I enjoyed doing, I didn't do anymore. The temptation was still there to do it, but there was something inside of me saying, Mark, That's your past. That's not your future. Some of us live so much in our past that we bring it into our present. And man, when Christ comes into your heart, your past is your past. Your present is today. Your future is full of hope and joy and peace. Because that's what the Word of God said. Would everybody bow their heads and close their eyes? And would everybody join me in this prayer? If there's one or two today that are saying this for the first time, and celebration is going to be taking place in the heavens would everybody repeat with me dear Heavenly Father I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness and I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life please forgive me change my life fill me with the Holy Spirit I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I am saved. Amen. Now, if you said that, you are a new creation in Christ. Your past is gone. Your future is full of hope. But it's a new beginning and a new relationship. And that new beginning and that new relationship, if you remember the the excitement of falling in love for the very first time, But those relationships also require some attention. So I'm going to encourage you to spend time in worship. Man, what a wonderful time. The stores are even playing some of these worship songs with you. And when you hear these songs, think about the words. And when you see how the Grinch stole Christmas, see how God changes hearts. And how we are to respond in love. And how that nothing can overcome the goodness that God has done in our lives. And that the message of Christmas is in our hearts. It's not in the store. Do you understand? The message of Christmas is in our hearts, and it's not in the store. It's not something you buy. It's a free gift. And that's the real meaning of Christmas. And I hope that every time, even if it's years from now, if if God carries and and you're alive and you're watching this show, you're going to remember this message. And you're going to look at this show completely different because of this message about God's goodness and God's grace for us. If you would, I'd love to say a blessing as we close. So if you all would stand. And according to God's word, may the Lord bless you and may He protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you His favor and give you His peace. So go in His peace. God bless you. We love you. We look forward to seeing you tonight.